Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you'd like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Bible in a Year reading plan. We also have PDFs available on our website, Grove.Church. Just click on media. Do it. And uh, follow along with us on this journey. And as you're doing that, uh, maybe there's questions that'll pop up. We would love for you to take some time to send us those questions so we can take time as much as possible at the end of every podcast to answer those questions. There's two ways you can send us those questions. One, you can send us an email uh, for those of you who still email. And that email address is info at grove.church. Uh, you can just shoot them there. And then make sure that the subject line is, uh, we have a Let's Read the Bible podcast question. Uh, we actually have, I think, a question. That's that where our question came, came in this week. was from the email. So thank you for sending that in. Uh, or if you are more of a Facebook user, you can direct message us on our Facebook page. We are the Grove Church in uh, Washington State. I almost said Marysville, but that was irrelevant. Yeah. So Washington State. Not Phoenix. Love, well, well, yeah, not Phoenix. Uh, shout out to our Arizona peeps. Uh, but we'd love for you to send us those questions so we can take time to answer them today. All right. Well, today we're talking about the book of Micah as we continue yes. on our uh, our run of minor prophets, of the minor prophets that we haven't done books of. When we say minor prophets, we don't mean less important. We mean... No, it's absolutely less important. It, it no, kind, I mean, it kind of is, but you know, <laughs> so like, compared to like Isaiah and Jeremiah, but they're just smaller books, smaller works. They're categorized as uh, starting with Hosea and ending with... Malachi, those are considered the minor prophets. So as far as resources we're using today, ESV Study Bible, Logos Bible Software, Reformation Study Bible, The Essence of the Old Testament, a survey by Ed Hinson and Gary Yates, and the Zondervan Illustrated Bible Dictionary by J.D. Douglas, Meryl C. Tenney, and Moises Silva. And I have in front of me my trusty handy-dandy uh, Holman CSB Bible. Uh, it's called it's a He Reads Truth Bible, but I should just a couple thoughts about... Um, Micah at the very beginning of that are interesting to read. So Boom, there you go. All right. So let's get talking about Michael. Uh, Michael. Michael. <laughs> about Micah. So Michael's my cousin. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, all right. So it's it's nice after after Amos and especially Obadiah, where we don't really know anything about them. We we know things about Micah. So that's a good deal. It's a change of pace, guys. It's exactly. Uh, so the very first verse actually gives us a good amount of information. So And that is the word of the Lord that came to Micah of Moresheth in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. All right. So right off the bat, we know that Micah is a contemporary of Isaiah. So Isaiah, you'll remember his call famously is in the year that King Uzziah died. Yep. So that would be uh, also the year that Jotham becomes king of, mm-hmm. of Judah. So we don't know, uh, we know that Mike, we don't know when exactly. So it would, it probably is true that Isaiah started ministering first because that's right at the start of Jotham's reign and the Micah came in a little bit later. We don't have the exact date, but at the very least, these two guys were doing ministry at the same time, which is cool. Yeah. So uh, let me see here. Got lost my notes. There we go. Uh, we also know that Micah is from Morasheth, which is a small village about 22 miles southwest of Jerusalem in what's called the Lowlands. So mm-hmm. there you go. Fun times. It also uh, bears a name that's kind of similar to betrothal, uh, which comes up later in the book. So not that we're going to cover all that much today, but it's one of those things that gets lost in poetry because apparently it's on Morish- the town of Morasheth sounds like the Hebrew word for betrothal. So it's like a little, it's a little play on words that we don't get to understand in our English translations because they don't sound like, they don't sound like bummer. <laughs> uh, and then a couple other interesting things, Micah gets a shout out in the book of Jeremiah, one of those kind of rare instances where the prophetic books actually reference each other. So in Jeremiah 26, it says, and certain elders of the land arose and spoke to all the assembled people saying, Micah of Morasheth prophesied during the days 
of Hezekiah, king of Judah, and said to the people of Judah, Thus the Lord says, Zion shall be plowed as a field, Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins, and the mountain of the house of wooded height. Spoilers for what Mike is going to say. Uh, did Hezekiah, king of Judah, and all of Judah put him to death? Did he not fear the Lord and entreat the favor of the Lord? And did he not? And did not the Lord relent? of the disaster that he pronounced against them, but we are about to bring greater disaster upon ourselves. So what's interesting there is, A, it's a cool shout out, but B, it's also saying that um, Micah's ministry, unlike the ministry of most of the prophets, was effective. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at least, it, was, it was winning. At least during the reign of Hezekiah. So yeah. Hezekiah like listens to it and he's like, oh, you know what, Micah, good point. So there you go. <laughs> good, good, <job. laughs> good idea. Well, well, and, I, and it's one of the things that I'll even just say real quick as we are just kind of introducing the book. Um, I love the way that uh, the Holman Key like Reads Truth Bible kind of articulates a couple things about Micah, uh, because I, I do, I mean, I just do want to reiterate this for a second, that uh, the last couple minor prophets, we've it's been pretty ambiguous and it's been pretty limited in what we know. Um, but the thing that the, the, the statement that this Bible makes, and I'll just read it real quick, it says this, um, that Micah was, oh, I just said something, sorry. Um, and I just lost my spot. Um, so Mike, a few prophets saw the future more clearly than Micah. Uh, and it just kind of lists the things that he prophesied, which we'll get to, I know, but prophesied the fall of Samaria, prophesied Jerusalem's destruction, destruction, the Babylonian captivity and return from exile, as well as the birth of Christ in Bethlehem. Like Boom. it's kind of fun to see uh, even, and again, just to reiterate that minor prophet doesn't mean quality. It means length. Uh, but just Micah as a prophet was was pretty remarkable to, to some of the things he saw so stinking clearly. Uh, it's just kind of fun to see that versus the the other two amount of prophets that we processed or talked about the last couple of weeks. Uh, another interesting thing about the book is that it's structured with three cycles of judgment. Uh, and each one has, sorry, three cycles of judgment and salvation. Yeah. So it starts off with basically Micah will say, hear the word of the Lord. Here's a judgment, and then there's an offer of salvation, and then he does that three times. Um, interestingly, all three of these begin with the Hebrew word shema, which means hear. Mm -hmm. And if you're thinking to yourself, that sounds familiar, it's because it's an allusion to the uh, the shema of Deuteronomy, which yep. is the hero is Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, that whole thing that they recite. So fun fact. And if you watch... Um, the Chosen, they always talk about the Shema in that as well. So there you go. And if you don't know what The Chosen is, what's The Chosen, Evan? Oh, it's just like I said. Because you watch it. I didn't, yeah, I didn't watch time. it yet. It's just a TV show where it's like, it's a um, a fictionalized version of the gospel accounts. So when I say fictionalized, I don't mean like they're going crazy, but yeah. obviously they're like, they're filling in. It's not Hollywoodized. Yeah. They're filling in missing details. Um, it's really good. Obviously it's not scripture, but it's a... It's a um, there's moments of it where you see like ministry happening and just, you know, the, the seeing it actually portrayed by actors and like you get like the music and the emotion of it. It's really powerful. So uh, that yeah. there's, I like, I like being able to watch so, it. Shout so. out to the sh the chosen. There you um, go. Check it out. Uh, the last thing I'll say, and I know that we're going to jump into a few things. Into uh, the cycles. Into the cycles. Yes. Uh, one of the, again, I, again, I, I just really appreciate this Bible. Um, Against the Hebrew truth when it introduces a book and I should have done this the last couple uh, podcasts and I just haven't, I'm sorry. But it always says it has a section at the introduction of like, give thanks for this book. Give thanks for the book of Micah is what it says. Oh. Uh, and I think it's fun because it says this, uh, that the book of Micah demonstrates that God is holy and just, and he demands holiness and justice from all people. Uh, Micah's audience grew, had grown content to go through religious motions without genuine devotion. But Micah preached that true religion comes from a heart turned to God, resulting in godly living. Uh, and then he talks about faith or facing judgment for those who don't repent. Um, and one of the key verses is one that I think is is fairly familiar, but like the, the religion God, or he, sorry, it, 
it's in chapter six, verse eight, it says to walk justly, to act, love faithfulness and to walk humbly with your God. Um, and that's a verse that a lot of people know that are in Christian, the Christian circle, but. Probably um, the second most famous verse in Micah. Probably the we'll, second most, because we'll, the first one's well, we'll get to, we'll get there. coming. We'll get to but, chapter five. So anyways, yeah, I just think it's a, it's really good to stop sometimes and appreciate a book um, of the Bible, especially one that we don't often read mm -hmm. many times. But um, I just thought it was cool that it talks about that a little bit too. So Well, that's what I've, I've actually loved about um, talking about the minor prophets. And we we won't have an episode next week, by the way, because Aaron's on vacation. But the week after, I think we're talking about Nahum is the next one that's kind of up. But yeah, And just so you guys know, we go on vacation, but oftentimes we try and plan ahead. Uh, or if we're missing a day, like we, we record a little earlier, but it didn't play out this week for that to happen. Sorry, dear I'm listeners. Sorry. Uh, Hopefully you'll yeah. come back in a couple weeks and listen to us. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's fun to be able to talk through books that don't make it into, um, I guess, preaching series, service yeah, series, regular all, preaching yeah, circuit, right? It's just kind of, uh, it's a good, because all scripture is God breathed. Uh, it's all useful. It's all profitable for teaching. And so being able to talk through those things yeah, is that sounds a like great a good, deal. That's a good statement. Ooh. I should, I've heard it somewhere before. Where did, where did that come from? Scripture. It's, uh, is it second Timothy 316? Uh, it's, I think it is second Timothy. I don't remember if it's 316 or not. It's a 316 oh. for sure. Yes. Cause I remember thinking of the, oh, that's funny. There's two 316s that are like really important. Yeah. Anyways. All right. Cycle one. So this happens. Micah comes in hot. He jumps in. He's like, hear you peoples, all you earth, pay attention, O earth, and all that is in it. And let the Lord God be a witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. Uh, there's also this motif that happens a lot where it's kind of God making his legal case against Israel and Judah. So it's, it's interesting because I don't think it's present in other prophets, but there's, it, there's a lot of that language that's used in Micah. I'll put it that way. Uh, but he continues, for behold, the Lord is coming out of his place and will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth and the mountains will melt under him and the valleys will split open like wax before the fire, like waters poured out uh, down a steep place. All of this is for the transgressions of Jacob and for the sins of the house of Israel. What is the transgression of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? And what is the high place of Judah? Is it not Jerusalem? Therefore, I will make Samaria a heap in the open country, a place for planting vineyards, and I will pour down her stones into the valley and uncover her foundations. All her carved images shall be beaten to pieces. All her wages shall be burned with fire. All her idols I will lay waste. For the fee of a prostitute she gathered them, and to the fee of a prostitute they shall return. Oof. That's harsh. He's coming in. I love the image. He, he's not playing. No, he's really not. I, I mean, that's literally verse two into verse seven. Like it's yep. the word of the Lord came to Micah and let me tell you and all about it. And here's the word. <laughs> well, it, yeah, it, it's also the most aggressive picture of the Lord mm -hmm. that's given. I love that he just starts off with it. But basically the picture is God is coming out of the temple and just trampling everything, like to quote Lord of the Rings and, and smote my enemy in the mountainside, but it's, or smote his ruin in the mountainside. That's the line. But anyway, uh, this, it's this picture of God being incredibly powerful because he is yeah. and how nothing, and there's also this idea that there's no hope to stand up against the judgment of God. Either. No. Like this isn't a thing where like, okay, well, God's letting the Babylonians come, but we can hold out or whatever it is. He's like, nope, there is like God's coming. There is no resisting this if, if you don't shape up. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think that's just true in general. And it's, yeah. I think sometimes, and I think we've talked about it before, actually, about the judgment of God. We don't, we don't understand or, or take seriously sometimes like God's judgment against sin and our rebellion. 
which is again our hope does not exist in ourselves and when we rely on ourselves so uh, yep. but it is i mean this picture it's uh coming in hot is uh, a nice way of saying what what mike is doing i don't remember yeah i don't remember if the language of day of the lord is used in micah i don't think it is but it's it's similar to what we talked about with obadiah and amos mm-hmm. where it's like the lord's coming guys yep. like, and it's not going to be pretty oh man uh, so yeah, in his first Oracle of Judgment, Micah focuses on the oppression of the poor. So mm-hmm. we we obviously cut it off. We can't read the whole book, um, but that's really what he's been talking about. There's I, I, during this time, it's really interesting um, because it, it's it almost sounds like you're talking about just like modern politics with the way like like it's like this like talking points that politicians would give, but it's essentially talking about how like the middle class of Israel. Um, had kind of disappeared, and so what you had is these very wealthy people, and you had very poor people, and so. In, and I didn't, I didn't realize this, but I was, I was reading through researching. In the law, uh, the first five books of the Bible, when the land is divvied up, land was not supposed to change hands um, out of families. So the Lord had given huh. each tribe. I forgot all about that. Yeah, I, I had too. So the Lord had given each tribe, this is your land, uh, which is funny because that comes into the question that we got asked. But And then each of the tribes has family clans and mm-hmm. they have their land and that land is theirs. And so even when you sell land to pay for debts or whatever it is in the years of Jubilee, which is every um, 15 years, is it 15, I think it's 15. Um, there's different. I think there's a different one for um, maybe you're right. I think there's a different one for slaves and there's one for land if I remember. But anyway, sorry, I, don't quote me on that. Cause that's just off the top of my head, but Aaron's looking it up. We're good. Uh, but during the year of Jubilee, that land was supposed to be returned. And so they weren't doing this. And so rich members of Judah and Israel are essentially oppressing the poor because the poor are getting driven down. They're selling things, they're not giving it back. And so a lot of the judgment of Micah is actually coming from that. Seven years. Seven years. Okay. I read 15 in the book, so I won't say which book it was, but they deceived me. All right. Well, here's it. Google (laughs) said seven years. So one of those was right, one of those was wrong. Um, <laughs> it could be Google, but but fittingly, and we'll we'll get to the end of this first cycle here. At the end of it, in cha- chapter two, verses twelve through thirteen, there's an offer of salvation, and so it says, "I will surely assemble you, O Jacob. I will gather the remnant of Israel. I will set them together like sheep in a fold, mm-hmm. like a flock in the pasture, a noisy multitude of men. He who opens the breach goes up before them and breaks it down through the pass of the gate going by it. The king passes on before them, and the Lord at their head." All right, so there you go. So there's this idea of even in the midst of judgment, when this is a thing that we talk about all the time with the prophets, is a lot of it is judgment, but it's also a hope of salvation, redemption, future restoration. One of those things is usually present in the themes of the prophets, and Mike is no exception. Yeah, and that word remnant is a big deal. Sorry, I had to put my Bible down. Uh, but the re- word remnant's a big deal. I think that that's, you know, it's it's a theme throughout the, all of the Old Testament, especially a lot of the prophetic books, but uh, it's just this picture. It's it's It really does allude to hope. Like there's a hope right. because of the remnant that's still around. And the remnant is a real thing because you see that group that travels back with uh, mm-hmm. Zerubbabel and Ezra and Nehemiah. Nehemiah. And it's not all of the people of Israel, because that's what the Samaritans are. The people, yeah. the Samaritans are people who remained and then they kind of intermarried and they lost um, their Jewishness, I guess, is a way of putting it. And so that you see this big rivalry develop. So yeah, it is interesting. All right. Cycle two. Uh, so the first cycle has a really long Oracle of judgment and then a really short Oracle of salvation. The salvation Oracle is only like two verses. This one gets flipped for the second cycle. So the first Judgment cycle is just, uh, I didn't write it down exactly, but a few verses. And then there's like two chapters of a salvation oracle. 
Uh, but to bring into the judgment part here really quick, uh, he's condemning priests and rulers. And he says, thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who lead my people astray and who cry peace. That's a scary thing when God says who lead my people, lead my people astray, by yes, the way. Very that's scary. not, that's a, uh, that's not something that the Lord takes lightly. Uh, when they have something to eat, but declare war against them who puts nothing in their mouths, therefore it shall be night to you without vision and darkness to you without divination. The sun shall go down on the prophets and the day shall be black over them. The seers shall be disgraced and the diviners put to shame. They shall cover their lips for there is no answer from God. But as for me, I am filled with power, with the spirit of the Lord and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression and Israel to his sin. So Mike is making it very clear. He's not one of these false prophets who's leading them astray. He's like, hey, listen, what I'm telling you, these are God's words. I'm yep. filled with the spirit right now. Uh, hear this, you heads, he continues, hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob and you rulers of the house of Israel who detest justice and make crooked all that is straight. So he's- These are harsh yep. statements. Who build Zion with blood, also a very harsh statement, and Jerusalem with iniquity. iniquity. It's- its heads give judgment for a bribe, its priests teach for a price, its prophets practice divination for money, yet they lean on the Lord and say, is not the Lord in the midst of us? No disaster shall come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion shall be plowed as a field, Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins, and the mountain of the house of wooded height. And that's the Jeremiah quote that mm -hmm. we referenced earlier. Uh, yeah. So he's Micah not happy. I mean, the Lord is not happy yeah. telling this through Micah. Um, boy, that's such a statement to say, yet they lean on the Lord and say, is not the Lord in the midst of us? No disaster shall come upon us. So basically saying they're not obeying the law. Like they're oppressing the poor. The priests are te like they're basically asking for money in order to preach, yeah. uh, in order to preach. Uh, the prophets are saying, Hey, what do you want me to prophesy? Just give me some cash. And I'll like kind of let the, um, oh man, Balaam. With Balaam. The yeah. I was going to, is it, no, is it Barak? No, no, no. Balaam, the, but yeah, Balaam and the donkey in numbers. When they're, yeah, sorry. The, the, the name escaped me for a second. Yeah, but Balaam. Like him. <laughs> All of these things are happening. And yet they're saying, is not the Lord in the midst? It's, it's, boy, it's slimy. It's yeah. really interesting. And you kind of see it um, even today, like when you're listening to people who are using the name of Christ and using Christian faith. And then also you listen to what they have to say. And like, wait a second, what does this have to do with, with anything? But they're just like, oh, the Lord, the Lord is here. It's, it's really... No, it's not. It's no, really it's not. Right. It's really scary. Like the scariest false teachers are not the people who like the like the, the so for instance, like the new atheists, right? They're not all that scary yeah. because they, they're they're very up upfront. You can look at their arguments, you can really examine them. Um, I would encourage anyone, like if you're if you're ever struggling with that sort of stuff, like look up just kind of basic um like logic as an actual um, form and just write out what is their actual argument that they're, that they're making. Cause it helps break it down too. where um, instead of looking at like the emotion of it and getting caught up with it, write down what they're saying is, if this is true, then this is true. Like that sort of thing. It helps you break it down a little bit. What's scary is when people, uh, it's when Christian pastors are the ones who are doing it. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, like, so you, you hear there's an innate, innate trust that's going on in there. And then there's always the, um, like what are things that are just really open-handed that we disagree with on? Cause like, you know, we're assemblies of God. We're going to disagree with the Presbyterians on a lot of things. What? But yeah. But we're both Christians and I love, yeah. there's a lot of Presbyterian pastors I love listening to. It's like, what are the issues like that where we kind of disagree, but we're both Christians and all, yeah. and what are the things where you're just like way out of left field? So it's scary stuff. And yeah. that's what Judah's going through right now. Well, and it's, and it's easy. I mean, it's very easy to fall 
victim that it's also very easy to be very pompous about it like oh no yeah. like, look at we look at the external we look at the, the the material we look at the the tangible to say hey we're doing great god like we're okay like god god's obviously blessing us because we look at things materialistically and, and tangibly for god's blessing so but it is it's very scary as even as and, and i we've we've talked about this a bit probably not on the podcast but like as as pastors when we get the opportunity to speak whether it be on a Sunday, whether it be at a different environment. I mean, I remember there was a season when you were speak at youth was one of my leaders. Mm-hmm. Like every, it was, it was, it was almost comical to a point where every Wednesday you would speak, there'd be a moment where you were in the bathroom throwing up out of the That's weight true. that you can, you, that you felt. And for me, it hasn't shifted where on Sundays when I speak every Sunday morning, the first time there's this anxiousness in me that it's like, God, I, I don't want to discredit or dishonor your word. And my fear is anytime I, I don't have that is then I rely solely on what I'm able to do. Right. Um, and so there's just that, that, that tension for sure that I think all of us need to be walking. It's, it is this reverent awe and fear of the weight we carry. Yeah. The good, the good nervousness of, I want to make sure I'm speaking the truth yeah. about who God all is. All it takes is one misstep in. And an eyes of fire all over again. So <laughs> I don't think we're doing the clap stead, but yes. And that's even like, even with like the. That's what um, it feels like though. Like yeah, no, if I right. misstep, like, and not that God's a, a, a vindictive evil God, but he takes holiness, even as we read, even as I read earlier, he takes holiness seriously. Yep. His wrath against sin is serious. So. Absolutely. Anyways. All right. Um, so chapter two begins, hold on here a second. Yeah. So we just got through the, the, the judgment Chap- oracle. Yeah, chapter four begins the Oracle of Salvation. I don't know why I put two here. Um, so in this section, it's actually kind of interesting. So it it contrasts the low state that Israel is in with the future glory of the messianic kingdom. And what we mean by that is the the kingdom that Christ establishes, that Jesus establishes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I put this also includes probably the most famous part of Micah, which is this. So in Micah chapter five, it says, now muster your troops, uh, o, o daughter of troops, siege is laid against us. With a rod, they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrath, who are too little among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from the is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth, when the rest of the brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. When the Assyrians come into our lands and trade and tread in our palaces, they will raise against him seven shepherds and eight princes of men. They shall uh, shepherd the land of Assyria with the sword and the land of Nimrod as its entrances. And he shall deliver us from the Assyrians when he comes into our land and treads within our borders. So it's, it's his picture. The famous part is the very is the second verse there where it says, but you, O Bethlehem, um, out of you shall become one who is from, is to be rulers of Israel called forth from ancient days. And that's a reference to um I mean, literally the earliest moment that we have in recorded history, basically, is the idea that uh, God promises to Eve that one day she'll bear a son. Yep. And that's that's the whole thing. So it's coming forward out of those days. Also, fun fact, because I haven't said this on the podcast yet, but I learned it, it was really interesting. It was on the Bible Project. But the name Nimrod, um, to us today, it means like idiot, right, is what we first think of. Um, I always wondered when it went from being the king 
of Babel and that we see in the Tower of Babel to being idiot. And what it happened is, is uh, and, uh, yeah, like I said, it was the, the Bible Project guys did an episode on it, but it was in literally Looney Tunes. So when Bugs Bunny calls Elmer Fudd Nimrod, he only calls him Nimrod. And the reason for that is because Nimrod is, the, it's a Hebrew word for great and mighty hunter. So he's being sarcastic and he's calling Elmer Fudd a great and mighty hunter. That's hilarious. And then over time, because no one knows what Nimrod actually means. Yeah, and Elmer Fudd's an idiot. Yeah, idiot. It, that's, it, that's what it got translated into. So it's kind of interesting. So within that's the last- hilarious. Within, from a time from when my grandfather was alive is when that word changed meanings. So there you go. Fun fact. for It has nothing to do with Micah, but fun fact. But I, Nimrod. Because I read Nimrod there. So anywho. But yeah, so it's this idea of there's going to be destruction that's coming. The Assyrians are going to come. They're going to rip through- Northern Israel, mm-hmm. but there will be a day when all of that is put behind us. And that's kind of this picture of the, uh, the kingdom that will come and yeah. it's a kingdom, not of this world. Yep. All right. Final cycle. Uh, this is really where Micah lays into the motif of a courtroom. So he starts it off with hear what the Lord says, arise, plead your case before the mountains and let the hills hear your voice. Hear you mountains, the indictment of the Lord and your enduring foundations of the earth for the Lord has an indictment against his people and he will contend with Israel. So literally is this picture as if God is prosecuting the nation, which is scary. And then the jury is creation. It's the, it's the mountains and the hills. Mm-hmm. It's all of creation is going to stand witness before the way that Israel has broken with their covenant, which is, again, scary, <laughs> scary stuff. Uh, Micah lays out how Israel and Judah have been unfaithful to God's covenant for quite some time. Um, so essentially the point is, this is not a first time offense. This isn't like you guys have broken covenant. It's the first time and God's bringing back. He's like, no, no, no. Throughout the history, yep. your fathers and their fathers and their fathers have constantly been breaking uh, the covenant that God set out before you. And there's a time coming when both kingdoms would suffer the punishment for this, Israel and Judah. Um, remember, Israel kind of just goes full ham, like Jeroboam, <laughs> like Jeroboam becomes king and there's never a good king yep. again. See you later. Judah has these moments of, you know, between like, not necessarily always the greatest kings, but like, you know, Asa, Jehoshaphat, Uzziah, Hezekiah, Josiah, like there's good kings yeah, in yeah, Judah yeah. who lead the people well, um, but even they will be suffering punishment. Um, however, even in the midst of judgment, Yahweh offers hope to his people. And I think this is a, the, the whole last chapter of Micah is really beautiful. Um, and it's, it's just essentially about, as for me, I will hope in the Lord mm-hmm. is kind of the motif, or I will hope in Yahweh is literally what it says. So if it, as a reminder, anytime you see the Lord in all caps, that's what it is. It's the proper name of God, Yahweh. Um, and it ends with this statement, which is, who is a God like you? pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance. There's that word again, remnant. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast out all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. So there you go. That's how it ends. And it's this picture of, um, I love the thought of who is a God like you pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression. If you read ancient myth, never happens. <laughs> that is all that. Like, <laughs> it's so true. Like read Greek myth um, or especially ancient Near Eastern myth. That, those gods are not forgiving. No, it's always wrath. Yep. 
And it's, it's just a way, honestly, it was a way to keep people in line. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, if you mess up, the gods are going to come after you. So that's kind of the idea. And Micah says, who is a god like you that pardons iniquity? And it's interesting too, because, and this was pointed out in one of the books, the name Micah is short for, um, I'm going to pronounce it Yahoo, but Micah Yahoo maybe is how you'd say it. Um, but it translates to who is like Yahweh hmm. is what his name means. And then he ends his book with asking the question, who is a God like you? Who is like you, Yahweh? It's, 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 I think it's a really cool, it's a really cool moment there. Um, but anyway, that's, that's it. That's how it ends. It's yeah. three cycles, uh, judgment, and then salvation. So it's a, it's a really, um, it's a lot of poetic imagery and a lot of, so it's a little bit harder to read, um, but it's easy to read in the sense of how it's structured. Yeah. You can kind of look through and see exactly how yeah. it goes. Well, and I think it's, it's I mean, it, it really does tie into, I mean, it's poetic and, and, and it's, and it's verbiage and the, that, that that's not different from most of scripture. Uh, whenever God speaks or even when Jesus speaks, there's always a, a way that he's speaking to connect to the audience at hand. I mean, I'm, I'm getting ready to speak on Sunday, right? This podcast is going to drop on the Sunday I'm speaking. Oh, yeah. Uh, but we, we, we talk like the, the focus is um, on the parable of the sower, but there's an agricultural, what is it? Agrarian. Um, agrarian. Agrarian. Thank you. Um, society. They're used to farming. So Jesus spoke in terms that the early uh the ancient history would understand. Um, and so even in like the verbiage being used here, some of it falls and com- fails in comparison and, and translation to us, but it doesn't to help us understand it, but it doesn't, it, it, if we, we have to stop and pause and think about it a little bit more about what God's saying. Um, and I do, I agree with the, the name I think is, I like Mika Yahoo better than Micah Yahoo. That's so, what I'm going with. Um, but like, who's like, Oh, it's such, it is a beautiful picture of, of that hopefulness. And I think that that's, I think that's such a great picture of who God is and his mm-hmm. heart for humanity is yes, there's wrath. Yes, there's judgment. I mean, we see this in the new Testament, Jesus' death and resurrection has uh, satisfied the wrath of God uh, for a time um, once and for all for eternity, for those who have, you know, accept and belong to his family. But uh, it is just this beautiful picture of hope and, and uh, in eternity and restoration. So, yeah. So there you go. That's Micah. As a reminder, uh, just before we jump into our next section, next week, we're taking a week off. Yep. But don't worry, dear listeners, we will be back. We'll be back. I'll be uh, back. So yeah, there's. it's funny because like, there's a weird update thing going on with Apple Podcasts where a bunch of the podcasts I listen to, like their episodes aren't dropping. So I made sure, I made sure ours still are, but I was saying like, just in huh. case, in case you're also a podcast fiend. And you're wondering if that's what happened with our podcast next week. It is not. So don't worry. Uh, so before we jump into the question, though, as a reminder, please take a moment and leave us a five-star review on whatever app you're listening on. If it takes ratings, if it doesn't take ratings, download a podcast and just give us a five-star and then delete it. You know, <laughs> just help us out. The best part is I don't think everyone heard what you just mumbled. How do you? Uh, if you if your app doesn't take reviews, just download Is Apple it, Podcasts yeah. and then give us a five star review and then delete it. That's and the re- the reason why, and I'll say this every now and then, but the reason why is is not because we want our ego struck. Although we do enjoy seeing people enjoying our conversations uh, centered around by the Bible and reading the Bible together. Uh, but really, it is it does it's an algorithmic thing. It's it's a it's a it's a presence and awareness thing um, that the more people that are commenting or reviewing or the better uh, publicity, I guess you can say, the better availability we have for those around the country and around the world looking to um, gain gain another podcast to be a part of. So that's go. why we asked for five star, just so you guys know. Alrighty. Question today came in from email. Yes. Remember info at grove.church. And, uh, uh, let's read the Bible podcast question on the subject line. Yep. All right. When did the tribe of Manasseh get divided in half and why? Yep. So if you look at if you look at the maps, one of my favorite jokes when I was a kid was when the we'd have our children's pastor, he'd always say, all right, turn in your Bible to maps. And I'm like, ah, 
because every all of our Bibles had maps in the back. But if you look at the maps in your Bible, um, and if you don't have maps in the Bible, then I mean, get yourself a Bible with maps. maps or Google cool. it. I mean, maps are fun. Yeah, you can Google it. But the twelve Bibles are better. Yeah, the twelve tribes of Israel are listed, but Manasseh is weird because there's East mm-hmm. Manasseh and there's West Manasseh. So what's the deal with that? So and they always exist as East Manasseh and West Manasseh. So the quick answer to that is no. Um, they they were was well, one tribe. Yeah, one, they were one, one tribe, land. and they're still pretty much one tribe. Um, in the sense of like they do things together. There's very few there there are points later on in their history where I think it's West Manhasseh is kind of um they're a little bit more on board with like, hey, we shouldn't maybe just like completely throw away God. <laughs> Whereas East Manasseh kind of just jumps in. Yeah, see you. Um but you know, that that's the exception more than the rule. Um so this happens in the book of Numbers. Mm-hmm. So in Numbers chapter three, two, this is when they're starting to make their way. They go they get to the um they get to Israel-ish in what we would consider a modern-day Israel. They get there. It's yeah. on the east side of the Jordan River. It's not quite the promised land, but they're there. And then the tribes of Gad, Reuben, and Manasseh choose to stay on the right side. So, well, half of Manasseh chooses to stay on the – I said right side, on the east side of the uh, – on the uh, As you're looking the at the map, river. the right side of the river. Yeah. So – there you go. That's what happens. And the verses, and Moses gave to them the people of Gad, to the people of Reuben, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, the kingdom of Shihon, king of the Amorites, and the kingdoms of Og, king of Bashan, and the land of its cities, and their te- with their territories, the cities of the land throughout the country. So those three tribes, or at least those two and a half tribes, settle on the east side of the Jordan. Later on, when Joshua becomes leader of Israel, and they begin their conquest, con- conquest, conquest, conquest. Jeez, uh, and they begin their conquest. They send troops. Mm-hmm. So, which I think is also, I think part of, that was part of the commitment of those, right. those three tribes staying, or the two and a half tribes staying on the east side. Is they said, we will still fight for you and with you to yep. take over the land God promised us, but we want to settle here. Yeah, and I do think that's a beautiful picture of the people of Israel fought for each other's land. So when they come to the, come to the yeah, when they, well, true, and then they've then they fought. Because they wanted the land. Yeah. But, you know, at this point, um, Reuben, Gad, and East Manasseh could have very easily just said, like, you know what? You guys do you. We're here. Yeah. We like our land. But no, they can't, they left we their got homes. Ours. You go get yours. Yeah. They left their homes and they fought yeah. to help their brothers and sisters claim their land. So yep. there you go. That's why. Good question. Yeah. As far as why goes, um, I mean, so this is where it's just like not that interesting, but it literally just seems like they liked the land more. Yeah, it's preference. Yeah. They saw the land on the east, on the west, and like, eh, we like the east land. Well, and it could, it could have been rooted in like, I mean, this is all speculative right now, right? Like it could have been rooted in like, you know what? We don't really want to go any further. Could like, have we been. We like it where yeah. we're at. So, but we're still committed to this whole thing. Like it's we're God's like, people. Uh, but yeah. The Jim Gaffigan's thing about um, <laughs> um, like how the people who live in the Midwest are just like a bunch of settlers where like, it's like, yeah, we could go west, but yeah, good. you know. Michigan, this is fine. <laughs> like it's so not that that's how it happened, but it's yeah. just like it could have no, but eh, you know Wisconsin. Yeah, so yeah, it was a matter of preference. Probably most likely, we don't have really a biblical indication of why, but they just decided to settle on the east side and send their troops to the west side to help fight. There you go. All right. Well, that is going to go ahead and wrap it up for this episode of Let's Read the Bible. Uh, as a reminder, we are a resource of the Grove Church, but we're not the only one. So you can check out our archive of these podcasts, as well as our past message archive and our life and limb blog online at uh, grove.church. Just click on the media tab and it's all there. Uh, And then if this 
podcast has been a blessing to you or the ministry of the Grove Church has been a blessing to you and you would like to financially contribute to that, you can also do that on our website. There's a give button in the upper right-hand corner. Yeah, thank you for doing that. I hope you have a great day. And I will see you in two weeks, two weeks dear listeners. We'll see you then. Stay safe out there. <laughs>